Welcome to the View from the Penalty Box podcast with Cam Connor. Classic hockey stories from one of hockey's toughest enforcers. number 46 i'm cam connor along with my son chris welcome back everyone so we were trying to think of different topics to cover for our latest episode and one of the things that we thought of is an interesting episode that we're gonna cover next week so make sure you stay tuned to the end when we announce what we're gonna do i think it's pretty interesting and i'm glad that you're on board to do it dad before we get to the main topic of this episode, which I think is talking about uh, the junior hockey that's happening right now, and Dad has a bit of a beef with Team Canada that you're going to talk about, I wanted to thank everyone who follows Dad on social media, so Facebook and Twitter, which is Cam Connor NHL. You're on Instagram. You're also on Cameo, where you're giving people shout-outs and uh, Christmas messages recently. You do really good on there, Dad. I know you enjoy getting to make some people's day by sharing stories of Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky and playing with the greats. Seems like a lot of people want to hear about stories from the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, that, that's true. We do get a lot of uh, requests to uh, tell some Stanley Cup stories and uh, happy birthdays and Merry Christmas. So yeah, it's, it's, it's actually... I think you're only supposed to do a couple minutes, but I mean, I do three, four, five. Uh, I, I enjoy doing it, especially on topics that uh, are easy to talk about, like the Montreal Canadiens. You've received a lot of questions over the last couple of weeks, so we picked a few that I'm going to ask you. And so now you have a question on Twitter, and it's Frank, and I believe he's in New Jersey, and he he asks, uh, he says, you played on a variety of all-star teams. Is there one that stands out to you and why? Well, you know, when we, you're right, a variety. So we can go back, you know, from 10 years old on, and I was fortunate enough, I, I played in one World Hockey Association All-Star game. And it was in 77. I played in uh, Western Hockey League, made the All-Star team, played in that game. And uh, earlier than that, there is one, one All-Star game that uh, in particular I remember because I was 15 years old. And when you grow up in Winnipeg, you actually have to compete for, you know, for the city all-star team. And I competed and I, and I competed before and I never made this team. And this year I made it and when I was 15 and you had to sell tickets. And my God, there was hundreds of tickets you had to sell. And who likes going around selling tickets back in those days? It was a dollar a ticket. And so, you know, your parents buy some and your uncle and your aunt and your grandma. But I mean, we had so many to sell and I just couldn't go door to door. And I was very, very fortunate that uh, my, he turns out to be my father-in-law, was the deputy minister of highways and transportation for the province of Manitoba for 25 years. And he said, well, I'll help you sell it. So he just put these, these raffle tickets on his desk. And when people came in to see, they went, oh, I'll buy some of those. So he sold hundreds of those for me. So that allowed me to go on this 
trip. It was in, it's called Yellowknife Northwest Territories. And we went up there and we got in a tournament. And uh, I was so excited to go. And so my dad was, uh, I never saw my dad cry ever, like never. I had just finished a hockey practice at 15 years old. And we were driving home and my dad pulled over onto this, on this dirt road. And he started tearing up. And he said, Cam, I know you're going tomorrow, but your mother has breast cancer and she's getting operated on tomorrow. And as it turned out, they did a double mastectomy. So she, my mother lost both breasts, took out the lymph glands. And this is when I was 15 years old. And, you know, I hope that there is some advances on fighting cancer and the procedures that you would take when you're getting operated on. So at 15, my dad said that the doctors have said that it would be a 50-50 chance that my mother could survive that. Op Just the operation alone was a 50-50% chance of, of, of uh, coming out of it alive. And then if she did, it would be a 50-50 chance of living over the next five years after that. And so, of course, Losing a parent, a mother, or someone you love is very, very hard. And so with me going out the same day, you know, flying out, I said, I can't go. And, and, uh, and you know, we relayed that to my mom. And uh, she was already at the hospital, so I had planned on not to go. And then when she got out of surgery, she could, you know, she just became conscious she got a phone, and I remember her calling me at home, telling me, Cam, go. I'll be okay. Please go. And I know it choked me right up. I get choked up thinking about it right now. And so I didn't know if my mom was going to, you know, be around even when I, when I got back and if she would die on the operating table. It was just pretty scary. And, uh, you know, and so that, that was... You know, I can't say the word was special, but that was something that's always stayed with me is it was, you know, the question was about the All-Stars. And so I made that All-Star team. But, uh, you know, it has a happy ending. As it turned out, Mom, she lived till the ripe age of 89 years old. So she beat it. She beat the odds. And uh, I was I was so grateful that, uh, that she did. And the only one thing I remember, it's kind of, weird but you know back in those days uh, maybe today I don't know but when she had all her surgery she couldn't put her arms into hot water you know so she used to do dishes and her arms would swell up three times the size and so you know that was passed on to us and then they decided that uh, well I think we better get a dishwasher so they ended up us <laughs> a dishwasher so we didn't have to do dishes anymore after that. So I only said it because the story had a happy ending. We have an email from Colin, and he is from the UK, another one of your UK listeners. He says, hi, Cam and Chris. Can I just say I am really enjoying the podcast here in the UK. I am a truck driver, and they helped me through the early starts. I came across them by chance and really love the stories from Cam's early days in Flin Flon to his days in the WHA and NHL. I am slowly catching up and was really pleased to see that there are new episodes available. Keep up the great work, guys. Colin. 
Well, the only thing I can say is, you know what? That's wonderful that people even listen to your podcasts. These stories, none of them are made up. These are just what I remember growing up about certain events in my life. And, you know, if it can keep somebody on the road and uh, and awake at night driving the truck, well, more power to you, buddy. And uh, I just want to say thank you for listening to my podcasts. And hopefully I can keep it interesting. And, you know, Tom Laidlaw, that's a good friend of mine, lives in New York. Yeah, talked about him before. I've been on his podcasts. Tommy, as I've said, is probably one of the nicest fellas you're going to meet. Always smiling and a happy guy and not too many negative bones in his body. He's a real treat. And uh, when my son Chris here had told me about the truck driver, I'm sorry, I forgot his name. Colin. Colin, who had uh, reached out and reminded me of Tom Laidlaw. When Tom was playing with the Rangers... It was brought up to him, Tom, what are you going to do when your career is over? And he always said, I'm going to be a truck driver. We said, no, you're not. No, I'd like to be a truck driver. And so as it turned out, Tom wasn't a truck driver. He ended up being a player agent. So. And over, I guess over the last week, you mentioned an interesting story. Now, every time you tell a story, I'm always writing it down, thinking we got to bring it up in the next episode of... One of your friends, uh, when you played for Houston Arrows, and how you helped him out, and how he filled a void in Winnipeg during a game. So, if you want to tell that story, well, I always feel like I, I've talked about how when I used to go in in the World Hockey play against the Winnipeg Jets and uh, the coach in Phoenix, Sandy Huckle, for whatever reason, he was pretty nasty with me. He wouldn't even put me on the ice when I got back to Winnipeg and my mom and dad and relatives, friends, that's where I'm from. You know, they'd be sitting there waiting for me to get on the ice and I wouldn't even get a shift. And, you know, when stories have happy endings or somebody's cheerful because something good happened for them. So where Chris is going with uh, what I told him was I just mentioned to Chris that when I was with Houston in the WHA, we were in Winnipeg and uh, we'd been on the road for a while and there was guys getting hurt and uh, the morning skate one of the guys got hurt and couldn't play and we were down to probably now short one player. I always love to see people that don't have an opportunity to do what I do to maybe experience it and so I said to the coach well you know Bill his name was Bill Deneen I'm from Winnipeg and you know I know a couple good hockey players um there a chance that they could be in the lineup to help us if you need them? And they said, well, who would that be? And so my friend's name was John Mazur, and he played junior hockey, and he played in the minors for a while. And uh, his uncle was Eddie Mazur, nicknamed Spider Mazur. And you could Google him. He played, I believe, in the, mostly back when there were six teams. So he was a good hockey player. I don't know if he made it to the NHL, but... He played in, in the minors for many years. And so Bill said, well, I know Spider Mazer. So he said, sure, John, he's, he's more than welcome to play with us tonight. So John had to sign a one-game contract, and he's got his jersey, and he was on that. He went in the warm-up, and his family all came to watch him. And, of course, he's excited to play. He's running on adrenaline. But he didn't get a shift the first period or the second period. And came the third period. He got some shifts out there, and that was the highlight of his hockey career. And uh, he had mentioned to me that 
somebody somehow got a hold of his phone number and they reached out to him and he said, John, did you know that you're only one of seven players that played a grand total of one game in the World Hockey. So this gentleman asked if uh, if he could send John a puck to sign. So John, he uh, was thrilled that somebody actually, you know, knew that he was in the record book under one game played. So way to go, John. So just an update on Spider Mazer. He actually played 107 games in the NHL. It says he started his NHL career with the Montreal Canadiens in 1951. And he played in 51, 52, and 53 playoffs for the Canadiens prior to ever playing a regular season game in the NHL. So it sounds like he only played in the playoffs, which is interesting. And he has an interesting stat. He became the first player in the NHL to score four playoff goals prior to playing a regular season. So <laughs> kind of interesting. He made the record books. And it said he also played with the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. And he left the NHL after the 1957 season and retired from hockey in 65. And he won the Stanley Cup in 1953. Did you know all that? <laughs> I know none of that. I do know that when he finished his career, he went back to Winnipeg. And he worked for most of his Canadians as a beer rep, which may not have been a good job for a hockey player back in those days. Because, you know, the guys used to go to the bars after practice and after the games. And we would bond together by drinking beer. So... That might have worked against him, but, I mean, it paid some bills. And, you know, let me just say this. The guys that played in the 50s and 60s, you know, when there was only six teams, the guy, you know, there's only, what, maybe if there's six teams, we'll just say 20 players on each team. So, you know, you're looking at roughly 120 players that made it. And some of the guys that played in the American Hockey League, you know, today they would be in the NHL. We got over 30 teams and another team joining Seattle. These guys, they didn't make the big money. They played in the minors. They loved the games. And uh, again, the guys in the 50s and 60s and even earlier that didn't make the NHL, played in the minors, they could have played in the NHL, you know, as uh, as it expanded. So it, it was unfortunate, but thanks for the lesson on uh, Spider Mazer. And then I guess we'll end the podcast and don't let me forget to mention what the next episode will be about uh, with, I guess, your thoughts on the World Junior Hockey Championships that are going on right now and specifically uh, the Canadian game, I guess it was two or three days ago. Well, I think, Chris, you're referring to Canada versus the Germans. And I know the Germans are getting better and better. Like, it's no longer an easy win. Uh, when you when you take on the Germans and if, if I remember the last World Junior Games and before that, they they did very well. They they represented their country very well, and the Germans are getting better all the time. And um, you know it was unfortunate that just before the tournament was to start, because of COVID, eight of the German players I believe they weren't allowed to play. They, they tested. They had COVID. And so when they, they, and they couldn't even skate up before the game, up leading up to the games. And so when they played, they only had 14 players on the bench, which was three lines and two sets of defense. And Canada had a full roster. When you play a team and you are beating them all of a sudden, it's 6-1, 10-1, 
15 to 1, and the final score was 16 to 2. You know, okay, I'm not the coach, and maybe there's things that I don't know. But I, I think if you look at football, for sure the CFL, when you see that there's a big spread between the two teams, one team is clobber and the other, and this is not a rule, but quite often you'll see the teams, instead of trying to go for more and more touchdowns, they'll do a lot of running plays and, and they'll try to keep, you know, they're going to win, but they're not trying to blow them out. And so when I saw the game, the final score was 16-2. to two. I think the last time I saw a score like that, you know, is maybe when I was like eight or nine playing some lousy club teams. And I just felt that, uh, and I don't know what you could do. You still want to go out there and you want the ice time and you want to, you know, by getting that extra skating time and ice time and trying your best, that'll help you for your next game. I just was thinking maybe who they consider. Now, this is an all-star team, right, from all over Canada. So I guess there's still a first, a second, a third, and fourth line. So the third and fourth lines will still be some pretty damn good hockey players. But maybe those are the guys you give more ice time to. And maybe in a game like that, and you know, I'm always into trying something different. Maybe what you do is you could say, you know what? I'm going to put three defensemen on the forward line and uh, let them go out there and just get another, you know, view of uh, the game of hockey from being a forward. Because if they got some goals scored against them, does it really, really matter? I don't think so myself. They got their two points. And so for me, I just thought that if there's any way possible, they should not have tried to blow them out uh, every single time. So that was just my opinion. And, and I actually had to turn the station. It just wasn't hockey. You know, it, it, it's 16 to 2, 16 to 1. It's almost disgraceful in my mind to, to have a score like that at that level. And so, you know, the Germans were at a disadvantage and I don't think that we should have done our best to rack up that score. So, Chris, that was that was what I was thinking. Do you have a prediction for who you think will win? Finland is, you know, in the past have had unbelievable, you know, representation at the World Junior Championships. Sweden, you never count them out. Canada, if they're not in the medals, boy, there's a problem with that in Canada. Russia. You know, they're so good. U.S., they want to make sure they beat Canada and Russia. Canada looks pretty darn good. I haven't been able to really... And although Canada hasn't played USA or Russia, the traditional powerhouses or Sweden or Finland. So, you know, I got to go with Canada. It looks like their goaltender is going to be stopping pucks. Canada has guys that can score. They've got really good defense. And that's usually the ingredients to a good hockey team. So, Chris, I'm going to say Canada, but uh, time will tell, right? Okay, we'll see. And I guess we're we're excited to say that the next episode will be a, a little bit different. Dad has strong opinions on the film Slapshot, and I've actually never seen it. So we are going to do a live commentary of the movie Slapshot. So either you can watch along and see the scenes and see what Dad says since he played during that era and you fought some of the the people in i guess portrayed in that movie oh the real guys yes and so uh you could either just listen along and uh hear what he has to say or you can put the movie on as well and watch at the same time as this you know if if you've watched the movie there's not much you know point of watching along if you haven't watched the movie you might want to just try to see if you can find it and uh 
and have a look at it yourself. Apparently, you know, it's supposed to be the best hockey movie that's ever been put out there with Paul Newman. But uh, I do know that the first time that I watched that movie, I was with Gordie Howe. And I'm going to say the year was 1977. I played with Houston Arrows at the time and Gordie was there. And we were actually in Edmonton, where I live now. And uh, Gordy and I went to the theater when it first came out, and we sat there, a box of popcorn each, and we watched the movie. And so I got Gordy's opinions on it. I have my opinions on the movie, and we'll share that. Until next time, I'm Chris. And I'm Cam.